Hello and welcome to the Upon Further Review podcast brought to you by Field Street Baptist Church. On this podcast, your host Cody Kitchen sits across the table from Dr. John Hall as he reviews his Sunday sermon from the week before. Welcome to Upon Further Review podcast. I'm your host Cody Kitchen and joined with me is my friend Dr. John Hall. Good afternoon, everyone. We have took a little hiatus from Luke, and we, this Sunday, were in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, and 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, with the title of the message, Can a Woman Pastor? Can a Woman Preach? So, John, as always... For the start of the podcast, what is, as you prepared this message, what are some things that came to mind? <laughs> are you kidding me? First of all, for me, the issue is clear. Not clear relative to culture or the agenda of a certain movement, but what is crystal clear in the scripture. And clear in my mind was that the scripture trumps the culture and that culture is ultimately a very unreliable barometer for what the church must do and what came to my mind was also that it is my responsibility to be faithful to and be a mouthpiece for the text of scripture irregardless of what the text is, which has been my pattern consistently through these years as pastor here at Field Street. That's what went through my mind. Well, that's good. And I think it's important before we get started, I think it's vastly important that every listener understands the heart of the sermon. And I also think, as we say on most of the podcast, I think it's also important that if you have not listened to the sermon on Sunday, that you pause this podcast and go listen to it because we don't want anything taken out of context of what was said. And so I think it is important that if you have not listened to the sermon to do that before listening to the podcast. And as John stated on Sunday that the purpose of his sermon was to see what the Bible says about this crucial issue. And John, you shared your concern of the church going the way of the world and if not careful, can drift away from clarity of Holy Scripture. You set a beautiful runway for us to look at what Scripture says about this crucial issue in particular. And you start with the purpose of the sermon being reviewing the clarity of Scripture regarding the office of pastor. And I just love that you made the point to define the term pastor and how this term has been expanded to mean so many different things. You clarify the definitions and responsibilities of a pastor through God's word in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, and 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. You say that pastor is a teaching office and is entrusted with the spiritual welfare and care for the church. You say that the pastor is to give spiritual leadership of the church. So my question, my first question is, with this definition of pastor, how do you think the church has hurt this definition? I do not think the church necessarily has been intentional about rearranging 
the biblical definition of what a pastor is. So it's important to reclaim what Scripture identifies and teaches relative to both the office and the function of pastor, which is frankly the same. Where the church may, in some cases, maybe many cases, goes a little bit off the reservation, so to speak, is that the expectations of a pastor are often very unrealistic and impossibly high, and in some cases, not even biblical. And so I think it is incumbent upon every New Testament church to carefully evaluate and weigh and, and be careful about the Scriptures relative to what is expected and asked of uh, the pastor and his role in the life of the church. And so I think every church has an obligation to be thoroughly uh, biblical in their expectation for what a pastor is, what the pastor does, who the pastor is, his character, his competence, um, his skills. And oddly enough, there's only one required skill. He must be able to teach. And in some cases, that's a gift. In other cases, it has to be learned. (laughs) So as mere mortals have to learn how to teach and preach the Scripture. Some have this gift. Uh, Some men have this gift, of course. Others of us, we just have to keep working at it, grinding away at it. So I think churches, in an effort to be completely faithful and demonstrate fidelity to the Scriptures, should weigh the Scriptures carefully and then... Let that set the job description, if you will, for what a pastor is first to be and then what the pastor does. And for some reason, many, many churches have gone away from Scripture first and foremost and have superimposed expectations that likely come from the business world, superimposed that on the office position of pastor and has made it increasingly more difficult for pastors to even function in that kind of setting. That's interesting, and I appreciate um, your response on that, too, because it's it's an interesting conversation when we talk about going back to the definition biblically of what a pastor is, because I think you're right that, and again, I, to reiterate what you said, too, is that not saying that churches do it on purpose, but I do think mm-hmm. that you're right that we've kind of gone away from that term pastor and just use it flippantly just like a lot of words I Mm -hmm. think we use flippantly so I appreciate that clarity and thank you for your answer and so to kind of transition you started going into context of the two verses that we read first Timothy 2 and in first Timothy 3 and your point was that when Paul is speaking of a woman not in the teaching or exercising their authority over a man that this is in the context of the office of the pastor. And I appreciated that you explained Paul's grounds for his argument as the creation, fall, redemption. And I don't know if it was just me. I don't think it was, but I think a lot of people probably have never heard it in that, in that way and in that argument. And so I appreciate it. And I want to quote you because I don't want to butcher what you say, but you say this. Quote, creation order, which continues today, says Adam was made first, then Eve was made next. 
In Genesis chapter 2, God created male and female in his image. Both are of equal value, yet if you examine the Genesis 2 text carefully, one can plainly see that the woman's role is complementary in nature. You go on to say, what does that mean? Put simply, it is that which completes or perfects. Thus, woman completes man. Adam and Eve function in a complementary way, conducting different roles, yet serving alongside one another. This dynamic is revealed in families and in the church. Your point was to make the biblical argument that the office of pastor is limited to men. My question is, other than it being against what Scripture says, what could the downfalls of a woman what could be the downfalls be of a woman preaching? That's a very good question. And I would answer it this way, with all due respect, that it frankly does not matter if indeed it goes against Scripture. Hmm. So if something goes against Scripture, I don't really need additional reasons for why something should be prohibited in the church. And I wouldn't want to leave anyone with the impression that we would want to set aside what is clearly prohibited in Scripture in this case and give anyone the impression that, that other reasons might be equal to or more significant than the prohibition in Scripture. Not, not that I think the question is suggesting that sure. by any means, but I think it's important to, if Scripture prohibits it, then it really doesn't matter if there are other uh, potential downfalls. And that, and that would be my case, not just on on that particular issue, but on a variety of other Absolutely. issues that are very clear in the Word of God. So that would be my my response to it, it may leave some of our listeners wanting for more, but I, I'm not going to go down that dark alley. Um, I think I'm going to stay where the most light is, which is it's clearly indicated in the Bible that the office and function of pastor is reserved exclusively for men. Well, I appreciate, and I always appreciate your answers because— I think majority of them, if not all of them, I'd make the argument are based on scripture. And so I appreciate that response that you're just basing it off scripture and scripture only. And I think that speaks to a lot to who you are. And I know I'm not, I'm not just saying that to say that, but just going back to the point that I know you agonized through preparing the sermon and that making sure that it was what scripture said, not your opinion. And Correct. so I appreciate that. And I think it's important that the listeners mm-hmm. understand that too. And so thank you mm-hmm. um, for, the, for the honest answer. And I uh, agree. And so you continued your sermon with explaining that women should not preach to the church gathered on a Sunday. You say that it's a matter of authority as well as you make the point that God assigns to men what he does not assign to a woman. And I love that you, that you said that and even clarified that 
because you also clarify that women can teach and do teach other women. They teach children and students and in other variety of settings and context. So my question is specifically of a woman in the church, what are roles in which they can partake in the church body scripturally? Now, this is a very good question and it needs to be asked. And I think on the heels of Sunday's message, it's a vital question to ask and it needs to be answered. So I would begin by saying that a faithful Christian woman can do just about anything in the life of the church with the obvious exception as prescribed by the Bible of holding the office of pastor. That's the exception. That said, a woman can and should serve out of her giftedness, out of her skills, her talents, her experiences, her personality. A woman should give, as should men. I think uh, men and women should be uh, eager to invite others to come to church, to come to know Christ, to engage in evangelism, to engage in discipleship. I think women can certainly have a teaching role in the church. They can teach other women. They can teach children, they teach students, they teach in other settings and contexts. Women can pray, women can lead various ministries. And I know what I'm about to say is going to be a jaw dropper for some. <laughs> and uh, I've given this a lot of thought and I realize, you know, I'm probably maybe taking an unpopular position here, but just let the chips fall where they may. I think women can even hold the office of deacon which I know is going to come as a shock to some. But I think if you are honest and careful and you are willing to dig out the text in 1 Timothy 3, from verse 8 through verse 13, where Paul speaks of the deacon, uh, and then he moves into that transitional verse, I believe it's verse 11, where he uses the word likewise, and then some translations either identify the next word as women or as wives. Hmm. Now, the most faithful translations take the word uh, gune or gunakos, where we get our English word for gynecology, uh, a, a physician who treats females. Um, that word is, is essential. In that, there are some who suggest, John MacArthur being one of them, who suggest that Paul is now introducing a third category in the mix. So you have the category of elder or overseer, the pastor. Then you have deacons. And then you have a third category, which he identifies as women deacons. That's very interesting to me. And you say, well, whoa, wait a second. How, how do you get there? Well, if you look at the office of deacon, it is a service and supportive role the deacon fulfills. In large part, the deacon does not have the responsibility for preaching to the Lord's Day gathering. So the office of deacon is not a teaching office. It is also an office that does not have... Uh, the exercising of authority 
and the office of deacon is a service-oriented office. It is a an assisting type of office. I believe the the word I used before is supportive. So when you look at the data and you look at the argument of of Paul, and you look at the the word and syntax structure of the original language, knowing that we don't have a word in the New Testament for wife or wives, uh, the word for women is gunikos, gune. Um, I, I think he's onto something there, and he, meaning uh, Dr. MacArthur, and he, he's been helpful to me in understanding that, and it, I guess evolving even in my own sense of of this. But we do, you know. Furthermore, it needs to be said that there's not even a word in the Greek for deaconess. Um, so, what I'm saying then is, women, I think, can and do in some churches serve as deacons because it's an assisting, supportive, uh, service-oriented office that does not carry with it uh, the responsibility of teaching or exercising authority. So when Paul gets to that in verse 11, he's obviously speaking to women who serve in the church where would the church be without the service of women? And for that matter, the service of men. All of us are expected to serve, called upon to serve. And it's important that we all serve. So it could very well be in that particular text of Scripture that, that Paul is introducing a third category that perhaps we haven't been willing to identify and acknowledge in that text. But it makes perfect sense to me when it's laid out and you just look at the language, the syntax, the structure, the words. It, it, it is entirely possible and legitimately feasible that Paul was speaking to a group of women who served as deacons in the church. And that is evidently permitted in Scripture because there's no exercising of authority and there is no... Uh, responsibility for the teaching and preaching ministry of the church. That falls strictly upon the pastor, the elder, the, the overseer. So to answer your question, which I think is a good question, great question, uh, women can do just about any and everything in the church with the obvious exception of fulfilling the role of the pastor because the role of the pastor has been assigned by God to be exclusively filled by a male. So good. I appreciate appreciate your answer, and it's so good. I mean, it really is a really good answer. And Cody just picked his job off the table here. Yeah, I, I was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> but I, I just really, again, just appreciate, and you said this in your conclusion, and you even said this in your answer, is that, and you, I think, did a really good job at laboring at it. Is by no means are you putting down women mm-hmm. that you're, and that is not your heart. And I know that's not your heart. But again, you made just the the point that, and you said it again just now that you know Scripture says as far as the pastor role goes, it is exclusive to men. But how important, and you said this in your conclusion of the sermon, how important roles are that women and what they've done, not only in the church but even. In, in our world 
today the, the importance of him. So I just, again, want to reiterate mm-hmm. that and say I appreciate that. Um, and that also just appreciate the truth that you have brought to us. And so thank you for your answers and just the <laughs> truthfulness of your laborness through um, Scripture. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. And um, as we close, what are some final thoughts? Give me some last words. <laughs> well, I, one of my consistent prayers for Field Street Baptist Church is that we'll always be a people that have a high view of the Bible and that our view of Scripture will always be higher, more majestic than our view of what is culturally popular. And I think our church and other churches need to be thoroughly prepared for the hurricane that's heading our way from the culture and all the the various uh, challenges that we will face in the days ahead for our fidelity to the Word of God. And may God be pleased to help us be steadfast because I do not think it's going to be necessarily easy and it's sure not going to be popular (laughs) and uh, I know that's a challenge for all of us um, and certainly collectively it's a challenge but it is so important that we allow the scripture to define our faith in the practice of our faith and I, I for one praise God for his word and have found it to be an anchor for my own soul and for this church. And I I pray consistently that we will remain tethered uh, to the Word of God, and even though that may put us in the crosshairs of what might be culturally or even politically expedient, Mm -hmm. that we'll be willing in the end, you know, to, I guess, pay whatever price comes with that. And I don't say that lightly. Um, you know, may God give us the strength and courage of our convictions. Yeah. Good word. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, now everyone is agonized almost 22 minutes through us talking. This is y'all's favorite time, favorite segment. So I guess we'll transition to that stupid segment. So, John. Well, thank you. Um, I guess on a more, a far more lighthearted note, I, I want to bring up the subject matter of the NFL preseason what a joke i'm tired of preseason football are we all let me go a step further and just say i'm sick of preseason football what a ridiculous three or four weeks that is the players hate it the fans can't stand it the commentators aren't big fans of it either i have a suggestion for the nfl if they'll give me a call Here's what I tell them. If you want to make the preseason really worth watching and and put people in the the stadiums that are packed and, you know, sold out, make it like the Hunger Games. (laughs) And that will revolutionize the NFL preseason, the survival of the fittest. And then we can, you know, move on and get on with our lives. But the preseason, what a joke. I mean, everyone around the country is going – this is stupid. Why do I watch this? The, the, nobody starts. The, star, the stars don't come out and play because they don't want to get hurt. So they want to wait to get hurt in the regular season. And so I just think the whole idea of preseason football has become stupid. What do you think, Cody? 
I think it's pretty stupid. And I, I'm hoping that Roger Cadell listens to our uh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> our podcast so he can hear the suggestion. Of course he does. And if anything, if it's not Roger, maybe we can send it to uh, our faithful uh, Dallas Cowboys owner, uh, Jerry Jones, because he always wants to make a little buck. I know Jerry's, sure I know Jerry's listening. Jerry, email me. Email me, pal. I'll fix you up. That's pretty stupid. It is stupid. I do think that the Hunger Games would definitely entice. I think that would really uh, raise the watchability level of preseason football. Oh, man. That's free. That's free to the NFL. (laughs) You're you're welcome. If they do that, they better give give you some money. I'm sure they will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, as always, we're so thankful that you join us every week as we um, just continue to review the Sunday sermon. And so as always, to end this session, we say, make Christ known by what you say and how you live. Y'all have a great week. Thank you all for listening. And be sure to subscribe to Upon Further Review so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, please be sure to reach out to us at info at fieldstreet.com. Thanks for tuning in.